0: Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have a couple of amazing guests in Mr. Dimitri Booker and Gretchen Zucker of Elevate Commercial. Before we dive in, I want to ask a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Elevate Commercial is a full-service, socially responsible, and vertically integrated commercial real estate firm. Since 2015, the firm has either acquired, partnered, and or consulted on over 1,300 workforce housing multifamily units and over 1,400 mobile home park lots, over 113,000 square feet of retail, and a medical office building. Dimitri previously served as the Director of Acquisitions for Communidad Realty Partners, and was directly involved in the acquisition and disposition of over 2,000 multifamily units. Gretchen has a career working with social entrepreneurs, and she works with around 4,000 entrepreneurs over 90 countries. Dimitri and Gretchen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy happy to dive in here. Dimitri, maybe we can start with you. Can you tell us about your story and how you got into manufactured housing,
1: Andrew? Uh, it's my path to to this industry was was unique. Um, I I'm from a you know middle class family in Fresno, California. Um, Went to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and during college uh, started buying and, and and investing into commercial real estate. Um, fast forward, I, I like you said, I I cut my teeth running acquisitions for Community Realty Partners. And, uh, through a conference that we were at Scott Shields conference, uh, I, I met a gentleman by the name of Jeremiah Boucher, and, uh, I, I spoke on stage about what I did in the multifamily world. Uh, Jeremiah pulled me aside and said, Hey, I, you know, I need your advice on my portfolio. Can you, can you fly into Vegas and come look at what we're doing? And, um, during that engagement, um, I was, I was blown away of the opportunity in the, in the MH space. And so, um, I initially started off by consulting Jeremiah on, on his deals as far as structuring his, his portfolio to sell, and then uh, we partnered up on a deal, and um, from there, it led to a second deal. And, and then from there, uh, we're off and running, and we learned the nuances of the industry and applied all the best practices for multifamily and workforce housing, and uh, here we are today with a, a, a clear focus on scaling in this industry.
0: That is fantastic, and that's how we met. Was at the Scott Shields Commercial Academy, uh, the Diamond Inner Circle there. So that is that is really awesome. Uh, I'm gonna have to get Jeremiah on the show. I think uh, he could add a lot of value. So keep, stay tuned for a future episode with him, uh, Gretchen. You know, maybe you can you know give us a little bit of your story and you know how you you and Dimitri ended up uh, partnering together.
2: I think we should put on an advertisement for the Scott Shield Commercial Academy, because that's how (laughs) I met Dimitri. I was at a Scott Shield Commercial Academy event, and what really attracted me to Dimitri and his uh, mobile home park um, and other investing is his socially responsible approach, and my experience working with social entrepreneurs seemed a natural fit with Dimitri's vision and I think um, through the, this network of these amazing social entrepreneurs and all their innovative approaches to solving many of our problems in the world, um, we can bring a lot of really powerful ideas that can have real impact in the lives of our mobile home park um, residents. So that's the, uh, the initial kind of idea that brought Dimitri and me together. And we've started experimenting already in several mobile home parks. And the plan is that we'll continue to uh, grow and grow and learn um, and then really engage our residents in being leaders um, together with us um, in uplifting these communities. And through the uplifting of these communities, frankly, also providing a um, really good return to our investors. So they get financial return in part because of the impact, uh, but they also get an impact or a social return Uh, which I think is increasingly appealing to investors in all asset classes.
0: Oh, definitely. That's fantastic. What are some examples of that social impact?
2: Well, what we learned in mobile home parks generally, um, and we're still learning, obviously, is that in many communities, um, people end up living in these communities for a long time, but they haven't necessarily envisioned that they would be long-term residents in these communities. So it feels kind of transient if not in actuality, in people's mindsets, and so just being invested in your community and really wanting to build to build a community of people and to make your the your neighborhood look beautiful and be a place that you're really proud of um, is not naturally um, there, and, and at least in in the mobile home parks where we've been working, and so one of the first things that we've been doing is bringing the community together to really get to know each other as neighbors and to become invested in the uh, in the community so an example of what we just did recently um, which was a ton of fun both for the investors um, like me as well as for the residents themselves is we brought a, a whole bunch of residents together um, with um, investors and elevate staff and uh, Ashoka fellow the a social entrepreneurs organization called youth build and we um, beautified um, about eight homes in one of our mobile home parks the residents were painting each other's homes alongside these youth build um, apprentices in the construction industry. They had never met each other before, and they were painting each other's homes side by side. Uh, and that's just one example of starting to foster a sense of community. So that's- I love
0: that. That's really awesome. Wow, very cool. Yeah, different, uh, different look on the business entirely. I'll just throw this question out there, and you guys can can take it. What has been the toughest hurdle for you both thus far? in the, the business.
1: The the toughest hurdle has been um, cultivating talent um, from the on-site management position uh, And and so you know coming from a multifamily background you, you have established management companies where in the MH space you're 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 better off forming your own management company which means you you build the infrastructure around it and then you're 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 um, seeking out the best talent and there's not many mobile home park manager, on-site managers walking around besides who's on your site when you buy the property. And so then there's a the factor of risk management, um, best practices, what are the pros and cons of that person their skill sets, their financial literacy, et cetera. And just and, and because we're, we, we, we empower managers to be involved and understand our social impact platform, but also um, you know there's, there's the, the the basic blocking and tackling that you have to do. And so we, we, we try to provide as much support around our managers. But that that's the key is finding the right talent um, to fit the role. And then we coach and build around them.
0: Spoken like a true ex-football player, I did <laughs> notice the analogy. Uh, Dimitri did play quarterback and some corner, right, at, at Cal Poly back in the day? Yeah, quarterback and safety. Yeah. Oh, safety. Okay, awesome. Very cool.
2: Sorry, I'll just add that Dimitri sets up, so we have a, a site call for each site, and we do offense, and then we do defense by <laughs> Dimitri. So, <They're> special teams. <laughs> special teams, exactly.
0: <laughs> those, are, those are title so titles. all of
2: our offensive plays, and then the defensive plays, and then special teams. <laughs>
0: I love that. That is so cool. I, was, I played football in college as well, so I'm a, a huge fan of the, the football analogies. Yeah, well, it's,
1: it's you know, offense is income, defense is, is is expenses, which is just as important. And then special teams is all your intangibles, selling homes, leasing, title search, et cetera.
0: Love that. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard of that. Very cool. <laughs> uh, so the management of your parks, you know, how do you all do that? Uh, how long have you been managing communities? Mm-hmm. You know, tell us about your team uh, and how that's, you know, how that's been going and how you've been successful with it.
1: Yeah, so we, we, uh, the, the first part we managed was a partnership with 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 Patriot Parks. Um, we took over management in the first few weeks of ownership, and um, we learned the business. Um, and, and so how we developed our management culture and systems since is a high emphasis on resident communication as far as the message, and Gretchen and, and her team is heavily involved with, with messaging. Um, number two, um, we we're someone from our team, uh, rather it's uh, our investors are heavily involved, um, so Typically, someone from our team is at the site every two or three weeks. So we have a lot of site visits, a lot of support, and we're constantly doing team syncs uh, for each property every week um, that we get on and our whole asset management team is on, including myself and the on-site manager and, and, and maintenance technicians, whether they're a contractor are, are employed. And so, so that's our system of management um, that we have in place as far as operating properties.
0: That's great, yeah, that you're getting on site so often. You know, I think that's a huge, a huge value to the communities just to see what's going on and, and having boots on the ground. There's no replacement for that. So I've, I've seen that firsthand. And when, when did you all buy your first community? What year was that again? Uh,
1: that was in 2017, 16,
0: 17. 16, 17. Awesome. Very cool. And how do you, how do you typically source your, your mobile home park deals? That's our,
1: that's our, um, some stuff is obvious and and we have a secret sauce. So uh, there's three main ways that we source deals. Uh, One is the uh, local real estate eviction attorneys that we work with. Um, They typically know a lot of the park owners. Uh, Occasionally we'll get off market deals from brokers. And then a a third source, which has been our bread and butter is the mobile home park movers. Um, So we built relationship with a lot of the movers, Um, obviously your movers in house, but we, we built a relationship with movers and. And from there, uh, we make sure that we, we communicate well and, um, and build relationships because they're talking to the property owners. And, and then the a fourth, which is a quasi mover, is, is vendors, um, vendors, vendors. Remote, you know, skirting, um, siding. typically that those vendors are servicing the other parks nearby. And so we try to build relationships through their vendors to, to talk to the other property owners.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely not your, your run of the mill ways of finding deals. So I love that it's creative. Tell me this, you know, a lot of our listeners are passive investors, just strictly limited partners. You know, if you were talking to a passive investor that has not invested into the mobile home park space yet, you know, what would you tell them are the most important things that they need to look out for prior to making an investment?
1: I think we have two. I'll love for Gretchen to share her feedback, and then I'll have a few comments also.
2: As a, as a passive investor, I mean, I think the biggest thing, at least for me, is the quality of the management team that's really um, going to be operating the mobile home park, and how you know what their track record is, um, whether they're personally invested in the uh, in the asset themselves. I certainly look at the financials. I spend a lot of time, you know, looking at the the, the financial model for each investment that I do. But I'm also uh, really interested to know, kind of overall, what the what the market is looking like. What you know, how this park is going to how this park park is going to operate, you know, five ten years from now, to the extent that you can really kind of forecast um, what job growth is going to look like, population growth, etc. Um, so, the, so very aligned with the same, I think, um, the factors that. Um, that the operator itself would be evaluating as they're looking to buy the park. And the more that you can align so that you're doing this together as partners, um, I think the more successful it would be. I think what makes Elevate unique is the opportunity for investors like me to be personally involved. And uh, I think one thing in particular about Dimitri that every passive investor should want to work with Dimitri, in part because of the opportunity to learn from Dimitri. Um, How you manage to have time for everyone is kind of amazing. And of course, I'll have to say that the social impact specifically of Elevate, I think is is clearly really important to me, but I think it's been really important to all of our investors too. So they want to feel like this investment is doing more than just making money. Uh, And it's making good money, but it's also... Um, having real impact on real people's lives. I think sometimes we forget about that when we're evaluating deals or thinking about you know investing in a uh, property, you think of just the land or the infrastructure, but you forget the people who are there. And Elevate does not forget the people. They're really central to what we do. Which by the way, um going back to the management of the of the the site management and the um and all of our management positions, all the staffing positions, I think that the, the mission is a key part of attracting and retaining the right kind of talent. So entrepreneurial problem solvers with good um, people, skills, empathy skills, all of that um, is what you want in your talent. And I think we're able to attract that talent in large part because of the mission.
0: That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. And I want to circle back and talk more about the socially responsible approach and kind of that mission. Uh, But Dimitri, if you could touch on, you know, what your advice for passive investors would be, uh, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's, uh, and this is a. I'll piggyback on what Gretchen shared, but uh, I've I've noticed a lot a lot of investors are looking at depreciation nowadays. The opportunity of the benefit of a cost segregation, and what leads to depreciation um, benefits for the investors, and so I number one, just be aware of the business plan if. If that property is going to be, you know, sold in two or three years, um, think about the recapture of that depreciation. Uh, number two, understand that, you know, if you're going to invest, you know, make make sure that there's there's some. It's not about increasing rents a hundred dollars and displacing people. Um, so um, look at the mission of the group and and can they achieve the returns that you're looking for without displacing families? Because it's in some cases it's 30, 40% increases in rents that we see where we have an internal mandate um, to where we don't have to increase rents anywhere near that, but we, we still hit the same returns or better. And then, and then we're, we're getting better pricing from our lenders and Fannie Mae and whatnot. So there, there's some benefits to, to add a social impact uh, component to what you do. And, and then the third thing is understanding the property itself is, is, is there uh, the rule of thumb that we do is we say, Hey, in, in that immediate market, for the price of a mobile home, if we have a mobile home that's selling for $30,000, our single family homes in the area selling for 300,000. And we look for our, our target is what we call a sweet deal is a 10 X. If, if the single family homes are selling for 10 times the price of a mobile home, I think we have some traction there and you usually have a very high demand for people wanting to buy homes, whether it's a lease option or buy cash. And so uh, we've, we develop developed, we've been, uh, advancing and adjusting our model internally of our deal selection based on target market is, is there a market for people to buy a home? Also know that then the fifth thing is what is the business plan? If, if there's a property that's 50% occupied, there's usually a reason why. There's very few operators like you, Andrew, that could fill up a park like that. And so understand your operator and their capacity to fill lots because it's not, it's not as simple as multifamily. So when someone says, hey, my business plan is to is to go from 50% to 100 percent uh, in one year, it's not realistic in most cases, unless it's a market where, you know, you can bring in brand new homes and, and use homes and sell them for a premium. Um, but if it's a market where you're losing money per home, you may want to look at that business plan is not feasible.
0: That's great advice. Yeah I, yeah, I agree. And yeah, I think one thing you both touched on is just the the that quality of the management team, the quality of the operator, what's their track record tell you. And that's something that has resonated across all of our interviews as the most important factor, and I think that's uh, that's cool that I didn't even give you that hint, and that's what you uh, what you came up with. So let's circle back and talk about that socially responsible approach, and maybe you can just add a couple more examples. I know you mentioned the limits on your rent increases. Uh, I think that's really cool. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit more of how you add that value uh, without you know uh, displacing families.
1: I'm going I'm to let Rachel run or uh, Gretchen run with it because she she has she could take the rest of 30 minutes and then <laughs> she has a lot of good stuff that we do.
2: Rachel, by the way, is one of our other investors who's been a huge advisor for us. Um, so the, the idea is really it's about um, helping our residents um, to develop agency so that they can take initiative. They can have more. Um, uh, control of their lives and um, impact on, e- on each other's uh, lives and so part of it as I mentioned before is increasing the sense of community and investment in the community and part of it's really empowering our residents uh, so um, another example of what we'll be working on is um, having the kids design a playground and then the community actually builds the playground and oh, so that it's a shared sort of thing that we're creating together and then we get to see the result of what we've done We are also working on um, just uh, financial stability for our residents. And uh, this colleague of ours I mentioned has been very influential. She wrote a book called The Financial Diaries um, that I would highly recommend if people are interested in sort of what lives are like of people who live in mobile home parks. Um, And so one of the biggest challenges that residents have is that their income um, will spike and dip. So it's very uneven, the income. And same with expenses. So it makes it really hard then to manage your, your monthly bills if your income keeps going up and down and your expenses are going up and down. So we are looking at ways to help them smooth out their um, their expenses. And one way is by working with our residents to develop rent payment um, programs that work for them. So there are a number of services um, started by other social entrepreneurs that um, I think are really promising. Um, so we're working currently with Till and Asuzu. We're also talking with a company called Circa. um, And this is um, really addressing the problem that um, most renters have, which is that their biggest bill is their rent. And their rent is due at the first of the month when they have the least amount of money in in their bank account. Um, Mm -hmm. So so what these platforms do is they really help residents break their um, rent expenses into more bite-sized chunks that allow them to be able to stay on top of those bills. We are going to go into setting up saving circles. So ways for residents to save money by working together collectively um, and other programs that I think will help them with financial well-being, which obviously is gonna make them a better uh, tenant um, for us. Um, Other areas will be in, um, so we we talked a bit about sort of their mindset as change makers about financial stability. Um, We're also looking at ways to support their financial mobility so that they're able to increase their income um, over time. So there are amazing opportunities out there that they've probably never heard of um, that would provide different ways for them to augment their income um, or in, in, uh, upskill their skill set to um, have better paying jobs. So that's part of the equation. And then all, and health and well-being as well. Um, and so there are, again, amazing programs that can really support residents' um, mental and physical health that it's just a matter of connecting the dots and making this available.
0: That is so the, cool.
2: The idea is that there'll be, you know, change agents who can uh, make the overall community better and um, their own lives better and help create a thriving community.
0: I love how you guys lead with that. And you know, it's a it's a huge differentiator. So kudos to to both of you. You know, how would you handle you know, a a non-paying resident, you know, I know you have some programs, you're, you're working with the, working with the residents, you know, how do you all handle that? And, you know, do you evict, or uh, do you, do you not, uh, not allow that?
1: Yeah, Andrew, that, that's a good question. We, we try within our power not to evict a resident. Um, There has been a few evictions and and it hurts each one. Um, It's tough to, to deal with, but our mitigation against eviction is again. We are we we were the first mobile home park community operator to have the rental assistance through OsUSU until, and, um, and so that's that's a major major breakthrough because it took some time to get them to commit to the industry, because they're predominantly multifamily, and so that was a breakthrough that other other operators may be able to use um, now that we open up the doors or they open the doors for us. Uh, number two, we often reach out, and this is partners, not just myself, but Gretchen and other partners will reach out to severe delinquent residents and work out solutions. Um, often it's through a payment plan or again, the SUSU until, or B, we look, there's a lot of skilled labor in these communities. And so we look at th- ways to, um, if they're underemployed, to employ them temporarily, um, to support them, to put them into our, involved with our culture, with our team, so that therefore they could go back into the workforce, but during that timeframe, they can actually do work for us at our properties, uh, whether it's mowing lawns and vacant lots or, or helping clean up the communities. And so, therefore, there's a sense of dignity. And, and we, you know, half their money goes towards their rent, half goes to their pockets. They can pay their bills and we, we provide the financial stability to get them back on track. And we know they're going to be setbacks along the way. And so, so we collectively look to find ways to, to keep our residents um, employed or give them opportunities within our community to. Um, to get back on
0: track. That's very cool. And before we move on from this, what was that the name? is Azuzu and Till. Is that what it was called? Yes. Okay. And I'll make sure to get the links uh to those and put them in the show notes uh because I think that's that's a cool tip other operators will want to want to use. So tell tell us this what does the perfect mobile home park look like and why?
1: They're, none of them are perfect. <laughs> 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 you know the uh well, we consider, um, you know, uh, using using football's analogy, a five-star recruit. Um, <laughs> so when we look for a five-star recruit, uh, we're, we're looking for opportunities on the coast, 100 plus lots. Uh, there's a property in Southern California that we're chasing that it's 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 the five freeway in, in Cal- Southern California, west of the five is beach. Um, so it's west of the five. It's uh, It's sizable. It's over 120 lots. Um, it's, it has, cur- you know, curbs and si- gutters and sidewalks um, and you're, you're dealing with a very um, decent class of residents. And, and so the, that, that's what we call the holy grail or five-star recruit. And, and so those, those are the unicorns that we go after and, you know, public utilities, you know, we want public sewer, public water, Th- that, and then our other five-star recruit are just resort areas um, that may not have all the bells and whistles, but they're, they're resort areas where the affordability is less than 5% we call that our five stars because you, you know, you, we, we collect rent in those parks without increasing rent significantly. And they're, and they're a lot easier to operate.
0: Definitely. Gretchen, do you have any, any comments on that?
2: No, just quickly about a Suzu because um, you, you were going to put that link. I think it's also valuable to know a little bit more about that. So just very briefly, um, a Suzu is a, um, a credit reporting uh, platform. So every time our residents pay their rent on time, that's reported to the credit bureaus, which allows our residents to increase their credit score. And I think on average, they're they're able to help residents increase their credit score by about 170 points or so. So that's very meaningful for our residents. And they also provide zero interest loans for up to three months worth of rent with a 15 month repayment plan in case um, residents have a financial emergency and so we we have triggered that with a couple of our residents so far, and hopefully, you know, we can't keep going back to a Suzu for loans. So they really need to work on their financial stability. But many, as you learn this when you study people, you know, people living on the edge of poverty, that one, you know, broken down car will set you on a path of um, kind of further impoverishing you. It's a its a downward cycle. And so that's mm-hmm. what Asuzu is trying to do is to avoid that downward cycle for, for residents. And they pay the um, landlord directly. So we get up to three months of rent in our bank account. And then Asuzu will work with the resident to help them with that repayment plan, which then turns into an Asuzu savings plan. So after they repay their rent, they can keep going and it becomes a savings Vehicle for the resident. So it's this that kind of um cool. yeah. financial services, in particular for the generally unbanked or underbanked population. But I think mm-hmm. it's tremendously exciting and it's a win-win for for our residents and for landlords.
0: Yeah, no, I really like that. We use Paylease, uh, which integrates with the rent manager. And Paylease has an option where the residents can uh subscribe to get the positive you know credit reporting
2: mm-hmm. and it
0: doesn't report any negatives it only repos you know reports the mm-hmm. positives mm-hmm. however most residents don't opt in we did like an initiative and like you know handout uh to a lot of our residents and they didn't opt into that and there's no real downside so I think the other thing is a lot of our residents for whatever reason don't have bank accounts and what we've found out is a lot of it is like either past due child support or other, you know, garnishing of wages that is pre- preventing them from doing that. So that might not be you know a solution for that resident but I think it's really cool the especially the 0% interest loan option. That's that's a very cool uh, initiative.
2: Yeah, so underbanked poor families is is a huge problem, the dearth of financial services. Um happily there are some disruptors who are getting into this space and I think that that's going to yield some great uh less expensive so for poor people they spend up to 10 percent of their income just using their income through the
0: cashing checks and so forth yeah it's
2: crazy how expensive it is to be poor so that's where the i think these social entrepreneurs coming into the space could add real value that of course then helps our tenants be better tenants um and so it's very exciting um, you could consider having the residents opt out instead of opting into the credit reporting. Again, so there's another book I would recommend for anyone working in the mobile home. We sector.
0: did look into that because I, I remember in the state of Florida with your driver's license, you're automatically an organ donor unless you opt out mm-hmm. and like the percentages were way higher, uh, but the way that the software is set up, it wouldn't. Okay. Yeah.
2: Wouldn't that. So that, so I guess it depends on what provider you're working with. And you should certainly look at the laws in that particular state, which these service providers can look at too.
0: Totally. Very cool. Well, let's, let's jump back in here and I will put that link to Azuzu in the the show notes because I I definitely want to look at that myself. You know, what common mistakes do new operators make in the space? Uh, You know, maybe on pro formas or so forth. I mean, I know I made many when I first started (laughs) uh, but I think this would be good to talk on, you know, for for investors interested in maybe investing with a newer operator.
1: Yeah, the the number one mistake that I see, um, and I I made this mistake also, is is budgeting for new lots um, to fill lots. Um, So what it costs to improve your infrastructure, move a mobile home, remodel the mobile home, if it's used, or buying a new mobile home, there's a lot of costs into the infrastructure. So before you buy a property, understand that within that state or jurisdiction, uh, do you, do you it's a concrete pads, is it concrete runners, is it post and peers, as far as your foundation to hold the home, because you're responsible for, for providing the foundation, but also you're responsible for, for providing utilities and particularly, um, you know, the electricity, which which the uh, meter boxes can be very expensive. So I, I just see there's a, always a, these operators are underestimating, including myself at first, the cost to fill a lot, and you have to make sure that your budget is correct
0: and, and you understand what you're getting into. Do you have a ballpark number you use to fill a vacant lot?
1: Yeah, if it's a, if it's a concrete pad, um, just just to get the lot prepared for a home to be there, uh, we're, we're probably going to be we, we budget for about $15,000 now. Um, wow. And 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 that's for concrete pad concrete runners were about 10,000 that's including moving the home. Um, that's not even the physical home but moving the utilities skirting all the all the bells and whistles 15,000 for concrete pads. Uh, 10,000 for, for runners posting peers, about 8,000. Um, so that's what we're seeing just to prep the lots and that's just factoring hit or misses on electricity because, because, you know, the conduit and whatnot.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's expensive. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your parks are in the, uh, in, in like the Pacific Northwest, right?
1: Uh, they're all over um, Idaho, oh. Ohio, Pennsylvania.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Gretchen. You know, have you, what other mistakes uh, do you see that new operators make?
2: Dimitri doesn't make any mistakes. <laughs> 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 I would say one thing that we've learned, which is a valuable lesson that we can share is there's a temptation to hire family members of your employees. Really think twice before you do it. Yeah. Um, mm. Uh, it's, you know, my husband or my, my cousin or my, you know, uh, would be great for this job and you want to be supportive. Um, and then um, I think we've, we've realized that we're better off just really doing our due diligence in our, um, you know, search and selection of all of our staff members to make sure we really have the, the best people for the job.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's a big, uh, a big deal for sure. I'll I'll ask you both this question. You know, when was the toughest time for the mobile home park industry, uh, and why? You know that, that you both are aware of.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I I think think the toughest time is is, is on the horizon, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's you know, bottom line is is uh, the, the toughest time Obviously, when the market turns, right? Because uh, this resident based has the most vulnerability uh, the you know the, the biggest risk as far as paying their rent and life changes so just in general whenever there's a turn in the market being prepared and and, and understanding your resident base that your your you know your delinquency may not be two percent three percent it may increase and so just just being aware of it and planning for it and make sure that you qualify your residents properly you measure twice cut once on on leasing spaces um, because it really, you know, taking the mortgage background that I have into the equation, it, it's it's important to understand what your 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 um, your resident based income is and and, and, the, and the opportunities around for for job mobility. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's it's bottom line is it's it's when the market turns and, and defaults increase. Um, you know, I I I've, I've lived through it early on in my career. Um, it wasn't in mobile home communities, um, but it was in multifamily. family. And 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 when the market turns and people are defaulting. If you don't have that in your performa or, or, or your or your your stress test. Um, you're in trouble.
0: Yeah, I mean, you did mention you know you think the toughest times are ahead. Uh, maybe you could shed a little light on what you think specifically. Mobile home parks. What what headwinds they're going to face?
1: Yes, the most of these performers that I see, where there's they're looking at substantial rent growth year over year. Um, it, it comes to a point. Uh, yes. We're, we're more resilient because of compared to multifamily rental rates. Typically it's, you know, it's less than 50% in some cases, um, but you got to be aware if you're, if you're buying in areas where your, your mobile home park lot rents are near your apartment rents, when the market turn, <clears throat> you're gonna have some trouble. Um, so, so we, we try to tell people to be aware of what's on the horizon <clears throat> and because there will be higher defaults. Um, but also we want to make sure that you're, you're buying or investing into communities where there are markets, where Apartment rents might be three times the lot rent, so therefore you're more resilient if there's a, a change in, in the in the market and you have to, you know, maintain rents and you have stable growth in rents or, or no growth. Um, so I just think, uh, you know, we are we perform a to a one-time rent increase and then a three percent annual increase. That's our performa, and and if our deals produce the the multiple that our investors are looking for and the pref, then we're happy and, and that's our way of of being resilient for the market. We may do four or five percent, but our mandate is 3% uh, rent growth. And that's what we bank it on. We don't, we don't, I see a lot of performance where there's a hundred dollar rent increase year one or year two. And and then year three is $25 a year. And next, you know, your rent's double in, in two years. I just don't see that being sustain, uh, sustainable because uh, it's it's just historically, we haven't seen rent growth like that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Gretchen, did you have any uh, insights into, uh, you know, the, the mobile home community industry you know a lot of people have brought up uh when green tree uh back in the the 90s when you know they were a lender on mobile homes how they went under and there was a lot of homes being pulled out of parks and being repoed um, i've heard that that was one of the tougher times in the industry uh but you know i didn't i didn't own communities during the great recession so i've just i've tried to talk to people that did and and learn from them and as you mentioned those stress test factors you know what are some of those? Do you know? Do you do you pro forma for you know sixty percent collections? Is that too aggressive? I mean, uh, it's a lot different from from multifamily, I'm sure. Yeah,
2: I think also looking at loan to value, what that rate or um, ratio is, um, is something else. So not taking on too much debt, and are is this good debt that you're taking on? I um, we've been generally aiming for agency debt, um, and I think Fannie Mae has been a great partner for us. I think they're quite invested. um, In fact, looking to us to be um, um, kind of to support them with their kind of social impact goals um, as an agency. The one thing I would add is that I totally believe that manufactured housing is one of our solutions as a society for how to have more affordable housing. And at the same time, my worry is that the cost of manufactured housing is going up too. So it's obviously still significantly less expensive than site-built homes, and I think that there's a very strong future for manufactured housing. There's actually a social entrepreneur who's gotten um, double-wide manufactured homes with a front porch. That's not considered real property, which I think is a big advancement um, <laughs> to have a HUD code to make that real property. You can get a mortgage for that, and so that is totally one of you know a necessary component of having more affordable housing in the U.S. But I do worry that even manufactured housing is getting more expensive. So that's probably my biggest worry.
0: Yeah, no, those are very, very valid points. Uh, I think the other thing would be um, you know, headwinds regulatory wise with rent control and some other uh, you know just change in in policies um, that we could we could be facing. Uh, wow we we've run a little long on this episode i'm so thankful for your time uh if listeners would like to get a hold of both of you what would be the best way for them to do so
1: i'll, I'll take the lead we'll, we'll, we we could share our, our information um in the in the chat um our, our email and mobile numbers um, so they could call us or, or, or email us directly
0: perfect yeah we'll put those in the in the show notes uh what is your your website dimitri
1: yeah, it's, it's www.elevatesmg.com.
0: And we'll, we'll share it with you in the chat. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you both, Dimitri, Gretchen, for all of your insights. Uh, I love the the social impact and that that look at the the business and you know getting rid of the stigma of, of trailer parks because as new operators come in and improve these communities, it makes them better and Again, like you mentioned, Gretchen, it improves the supply of affordable housing, which I think we need desperately. So thanks again, both of you. That's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021 and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.